Hit the lights. You've discovered the Half Watt Podcast. We want to educate and entertain by tapping into the most trusted source of new technology, the ones installing and innovating it. You, the tradespeople that build from the ground up. Join us as we talk with industry leaders, veteran contractors, and even some young blood. Welcome aboard. Today is going to be a lecture, 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 lecture. So if you're driving, grab a cup of coffee uh, so you can stay awake because I've heard my voice can be very mesmerizing and can make people sleep and I would hate to have you fall asleep and drive off the road either way. Anyway, uh, this is Mike, obviously. I don't have a partner tonight, so it's just going to be me and you. And uh, today's lecture is going to be called, If You Can't Do It Right, Enjoy Doing It Poorly. Now, if you have never visited despair.com, I'm going to give a plug to a website that is one of my favorites. Uh, It's a dark humor website, so don't go there thinking you're going to find something that uh, is going to appeal to everybody. But that particular site has got demotivating posters on it. Now, you know what a motivating poster is, eagles soaring in the sky, and we soar like eagles here, or whatever, whatever motivating poster somebody puts up on a job site to make you feel good. This is the opposite of that. And this is reality. So when you go to this guy's website and look at what he sells, you will find uh, in my type of humor, probably some of the funniest posters I've ever seen. A funny poster that is a demotivator is probably more motivating to me than you can imagine. I see things in a sardonic kind of a kind of a twisted dark sort of way. I always have. It helps me cope in my own world. I've I've suffered uh, uh, tremendous losses and lots of them. For those who know me personally, uh, I certainly don't have any problem sharing them. Uh, and I was able to 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 get through them. But I but I came through them by by really literally. Uh, uh, working with a counselor and, and figuring it out. And uh, it is just the way I see things and the way I see life. So the other day, I get a, a text from a friend of mine who moved uh, to Oklahoma, and he's uh, an electrician down there. And he arrived in Oklahoma with no expectations of, uh, of what he was going to find. He knew they didn't really have a limited energy, energy program there figured out yet and he definitely inserted himself into that so he could he could uh, kind of help uh, you know foster one and put it together and he goes out in the field and he starts working and and he every once in a while will send me a text or a, a picture of what he's seen and he sent me a picture of a J box hanging from a ceiling wire ceiling grid wire where the grid wire is bent into a J and the and the the box is just sitting on the tip of that wire so the wires up inside the box all the limited energy wiring is uh, terminated inside the box, and the box is just hanging in midair. And that's exactly what I sent him. It was was that quote? If you if you can't do it right, enjoy doing it poorly. That that should be the the you should just put a sticker on that. And it led me to think about this lecture because, you know, as I teach apprentices and as, as I work with my own apprentice, uh, when I'm sitting in the classroom. I'll emphasize the way it ought to be. You know, you should you should have all the training you need, and you should have all the all the tools you need. You should know what you're doing before you show up. You should get an idea what your job's going to be like. You should get an idea where you're dispatch, all that good stuff. You should have all that stuff laid out, and that is a perfect world. But that's not the way it is. It's not the way it is. And when you get out in the field, the very first thing you're gonna you're gonna 
wind up seeing is is all your predecessors who didn't take the time to actually do this correctly or didn't want to do it. And I am here to tell you that in all my years of working in this industry, I have followed behind um, technicians and installers and people who maintain equipment. And I could almost tell you the ones that uh, that made my hair stand on end. But if I had to follow somebody who had uh, worked on a piece of equipment before me, I, I knew what I was gonna what I was gonna walk into, and and I knew what is gonna have to be prepared for. That is probably probably something that you are facing now or going to face. You're going to open up a panel. You're gonna open up a box. You're gonna gonna just go do some work. And you're just not going to have what you need, or you're not going to, or you're going to just see a bucket of guts, as we used to call it. When I first started uh, working on the hill uh, back in the '90s, the the uh, the state of the equipment that we inherited was so bad; it was so grotesque and and so poorly managed and so poorly maintained that I had really felt for the people before me because they quit. They all quit at once, and they went to another hospital. They said, we're done. We're out of here. And I could understand why after looking at it. They inherited a bucket of guts, and, and I was just not ashamed, but just in awe of, of how, it, how it actually went. And it took a while to begin to think, okay, am I going to fix every problem on this system or am I going to take every problem that I find and fix it right? And, and that's the decision that you're going to have to make. You, you can do it, and there are certainly philosophies and technicians who will you know, run out into the field and fix everything and, 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 and you know, do, the, do the minimum. Not, not because they're not good technicians, but because they're just not wired to you know, look at something and go, well, okay, I can, you know, this, this takes a couple wire nuts and I'll fix it and then I'm going to walk it and I'm not going to worry about it. Or I'll give you another example. You walk into a building and say you're working on a fire alarm system and all of the smoke detectors are not in boxes and you have to add a smoke detector. Well, do you follow the same philosophy of the guys before you? Do you just not put your smoke detector in a box? You know, I'm talking to J-Box. So especially in ceiling grids. If you've gone to a place where all those smoke detectors are just screwed to the to the uh, ceiling tiles, and I have, what do you do? Are you going to be the first person in there to put grid supports and uh, you know the right struts in and the right all that stuff? Are you going to do that? I'm going to let you think about that for a second. Are you going to be that person who starts to make it right? Yes, you are. You're going to be the person who shows up and looks up there and goes, hey, man, all these smoke detectors are installed by a drunken monkey. I need to fix this. And at least this one is going to go into code. At least. Okay? Not only are you doing the client a service, but you are potentially bringing forward more work. Now, and I, I'm not. So I'm not saying this just to just to be a jerk, okay, or to or to or to cause anybody more stress. But doing it right and fixing problems as you find them, as long as you can fit them into your schedule, is the correct way to do it. 
and going back and telling the client, like, man, I put this thing in right, but I'm telling you, you got a problem up here. And you can choose to solve the problem now, or you can choose to have the problem, you know, affect you down the road. But one way or another, this problem is coming and you're going to need to fix it. Oh, it was always been this way. The fire marshal never said anything. The electrical inspector didn't say anything. Blah, blah, blah. You're a jerk. Okay, that's fine. That you do do tell the tell the client what you got to tell them do what you got to do and move on but at least you you made an effort you made a concerted effort to try and and do something don't continue to half ass the problem now i tell my students that you are following in the footsteps of some stellar technicians a lot of whom i worked with a lot of whom have passed on uh but there are also some technicians that um we're less than stellar and may still be out there in the field working today. And that happens in every industry. It doesn't matter if you're a cement, you know, cement mix mason or a, or a, you know, a, a guy putting in a wallboard or a plumber or whatever it is. You're always going to have somebody who's just going to do the bare minimum and get in and get out. All I'm saying is that if we want this industry, whatever you're doing, card access, you know, lighting, uh, home automation, whatever, it starts with you. And it has to be you. You're the only person in this equation who can change you. You're it. So the person listening to my droning on about this is it. You're the person you can affect. You can tell your apprentice how you want it, or you can tell all your friends how you want to do it, or you can tell your wife or your boyfriend how, how all this stuff is supposed to be. But when it comes right down to it, when you pick up the tools and begin to put this thing together, you're the one who's making the decision on how the thing is going to go back together. If you're going to continue to slap Band-Aids on problems, then that's exactly what the hell we're going to have. So make a decision to do it right. All right. Make a decision to figure out what it's going to take to do it right. And, and by God, you can't do it all at once. So I'm talking with a colleague of mine. And he's down working on a panel that he's not trained on, and he can't get this thing to communicate. So he's in a dark room. He's got a laptop that doesn't have all the right functions. He can't get the software to talk. He can't get the 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 he can't solve these problems. So he's learning as he's trying to troubleshoot and fix this problem. And of course, if you add to that, you know, a client who's upset or your boss is calling you and asking, hey, when are you gonna get that other call? What's what's going on? You know, we got other things to do. You can't just sit there all day, right? All that stress that can come out top of you while you're trying to do that job will come out somehow. It will come out somehow. There's there's no way around it. You're going to have to, to deal with that at some point. Is the right method to you know, call your boss up and say, hey, man, all my tools are there. I'm leaving. I'm done. Well, no, that's not the right answer. The right answer is to methodically, you know, start to start to lay these things out. And of course, when you're a troubleshooter or when you've when you've done a lot of work, you kind of you kind of have to define the problem. You have to sit there and look at what the problem is. How am I going to solve it? Or you're going to have to, you know, if you're going to have to learn this thing, while you're there, then you're going to have to accept the fact that, yes, 
you know, the client's going to watch you reading tech manuals or looking at YouTube videos or looking on the web to try to find the answer to this problem. And the client has every right to go, am I paying you to sit here and learn how to work on my equipment? Because that's an awkward conversation to have, right? Uh, but in reality, they are. Should it be that way? No. Should everybody who shows up at every fire panel or every security system or every card access system know everything about it from you know soup to nuts? No, you're just not gonna. You're gonna run into a problem that you can't solve and you know waste extra time trying to solve it. Yeah, you are. This is gonna happen. Okay, but we get better and we begin to start you know forming in our own minds and forming in our own tools you know these the the right pieces of equipment and the right mental makeup to kind of get fluid with it and start to figure it out pretty soon you know after after a couple of years of doing this you you realize that you use the same 25 tools or the same 10 tools and the rest of these tools you have in your van you hardly ever use like you just don't use them very often so then you reorganize your van pretty soon you're you're just carrying what you need I know technicians that carried everything they needed to work on some fire alarm systems in a vest, uh, and I'll I'll uh, I'll save his name. Uh, Dave Bartlett, when he worked for Simplex, would oftentimes just carry a vest and he had all the tools he needed in that vest, soldering including a, including a uh, soldering iron. So that's the way he he went about his business. He became exceedingly good at what he did, and I would mimic the things that I saw. And I want you to mimic the things that you see from a technician who's got their act together. But you're going to have days, you're going to have weeks, you're going to have months, you may have years of trying to figure this stuff out by collaborating, by talking to other technicians, not siloing information. If you have figured out the magical way to, to get into this panel and to manipulate it, and if you figured out software uh, tricks that work or 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 whatever it is you've got, keeping that to yourself is not the answer, okay? Sharing it with another technician, making sure that that information is shared, unless it's proprietary, unless it's something that you can't share, share it. Help other people in this trade get better at what they do. Don't silo it, okay? Don't keep it and not spread it around. Uh, and there are going to be people who are going to take an immediate offense to that, or they're going to uh, tell you or tell me that, you know, I, that that's just not the way it works. And, uh, you know, I have to protect my assets. I have to, I have to you know, make sure I, I get ahead in the, in the corporate world or, 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 or whatever bat squeeze are going to throw at you. It is, it is my job as an instructor. It's my gig as a, as a podcaster. Uh, it is my gig as a as a journeyman, and I have probably made it my business in most of my life to share what I know with the people who need to know it all the time. And maybe I share too much, I don't care, right? There is another philosophy where you don't share squat and you uh, you you keep it all hidden, and it's kind of it's kind of like a personal. Um, uh, sort of a personal agenda that people have. If I know how to do this and I'm the only one who knows how to do this, and I don't have to share it with anybody, then I'll be the only one they call. Well, 
it's kind of like being it's kind of like being a martial artist. Uh, when I got my black belt, I thought, well, and I was young, I thought, well, I, you know, I should probably continue and and you know keep getting more black belts and learn more stuff and learn how to do all these different things. Well, yes and no. And I reached this this point where I became pretty good and I knew how to handle myself. But at the same point in time, what, what how was I going to use this? Was I was I going to go into a field where I needed to use it? No, not really. Was I going to go sit at the bar and drink and fight every night? Probably not. Uh, you know what? What what am I going to do with this now that I have it? Now that I've accomplished it? Well, the simple the, the plain plain and simple fact was was that the right thing to do was to show other people how it works, how to use it, you know, what the techniques are, you know, why the style I chose was was good or bad or what its uh, what its limitations were. Showing people and working with people in martial arts kind of was an eye opener to to see, okay, uh, you know, there's there's some there's some things here to learn. Uh, and knowing that every every other martial artist out there, when no matter what they were practicing, could probably bring something to the table that I didn't know and could learn, and that seemed to be a much better, uh, a much better way to look at it. It took me a while to, to come to that conclusion, but it, it's how traditions and how information is passed from generation to generation to generation to generation, and it has been that way for all of all of our time on this planet okay so what i what i'm trying to 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 relate here is having having the ability to improve across the board people's performance and and systems in every capacity making it better sharing collaborating Moving information, making sure that that the that the the, the sticky the sticky points or the or the uh, differences of opinions are worked through as best you can, is an ideal situation and an ideal way to move forward. If 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 you are working in an area where you don't have that control, or maybe you're working for an employer who doesn't really want you to do that, doesn't want you to take the time, uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna put tab A in slot B and move on. Then that's fine. That may be the way that that particular uh, group wants you to work. That may be the way you want to work to, to some capacity. You may even be in a position where you're not gonna be able to to share or or to do those things. Fine. But begin to consider the change if you did. That's what I really want you to to take a look at. The other thing that's gonna happen, and I I forgot where it's going, but it doesn't matter. I'll get back to it. Uh, what happens when you or when you go out to do a service call or something like that and you don't have the parts you need and you don't have the materials you need or they sent you down with the wrong stuff. How you approach the client, how you approach your own boss when you go back, how you approach the whole situation can make or break uh, uh, you or your client. And I have run the gambit with this. I have come into the point where I've been so pissed off at my company that the client hears all about it. They did this, and I sent me out with that, and I should have gone with this, but you know, this is, I told them that this should be this way, and you know, 
and it's all their fault, it's all their fault, it's all you know, everybody's fault but my own. In reality, the there's only so much you can do, and there's only so much the the person in the office can do. If I get sent out with the wrong parts or the wrong parts show up in the mail and, and you know the client's gotta wait another two weeks to get what's what's what he's got to get at least going and talking to them, even if it's face-to-face -face or a phone call, is better than not showing up at all or showing up and you know causing some scene. When I was a manager, there was a lot of customer interfacing where I'd have to call a client up and say, you know, we were promised this and we didn't get it. And I received back from those clients um, sometimes some, some choice words and some choice issues. That's a part of the service game. I, I don't know how to put it any other way than that. If you think that everything is cut and dry and that every day is going to be a good day and that, and that uh, you know, all of the service calls you make or all the installs you're going to do are just going to go flawlessly, okay, you're, you're, you're smoking something. It's not going to happen. It's going to be a problem. How we deal with those problems is probably more important than the problem itself. As a manager, when I was managing a lot of people, there were times when I had slam doors and you know throw things off my desk and, and burn off that energy, and immediately it was seen by everybody around me as a, as a sign of weakness, like you're losing your cool. Why, you know, why can't you just maintain your cool? And it didn't matter how many times I would explain, I got this going on, this going on, this going on, this going on, this going on. You know, I've got 17 problems piled up, and it's not even 9.30 in the morning. Who the hell are you to judge me and what I'm going through? And that's very true. And it's still true. I still look at some of those situations and go, could I have handled it better? Yeah, I probably could have thrown more things or maybe tossed somebody through a door. That might have helped. At least I would have felt better about it. But I can see where they're coming from. You know, they're going, look, you're the you're the manager, you're the person in charge, you should have you should do it this way. Okay, we should have better control over yourself. Well, yeah, fine, great. I understand it. Now that you've said that and you've said it a hundred times, at what point do things change so that I can I can unstick this? And the ability to to see a problem through all the way through see the logistics through, see, you know, you do, sometimes you just can't, sometimes you just can't change it, okay? If you can't change it, then you have to make a decision whether you're going to stay and work like that or if you're going to go find a place where you fit in better or maybe a position in the company where you can do more good than harm. And um, everybody comes to that point no matter where you're at. I, I don't think, I think I can probably count on one hand, maybe two, the amount of people I know who are still working for the same employer uh, 25 years later. I, yeah, matter of fact, I think I know one, maybe two, that they stuck it out and stayed there. And they didn't go into management, or maybe they did, or maybe they moved up to the top. Almost everybody's just changed. They just get to the point where they're, where they get frustrated and they go. I can't, say as I blame them because even in my own career I've reached the points where I just go I'm done I can't I can't affect the change here anymore the emotions the 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 crap that I'm dealing with I can't do it right and so I'm doing it poorly and I got to go I, I've got to change something especially if it begins to affect you personally or affect your home life at that point 
you've got to you've got to step back and go, is this right? Is this the right gig for me? And you've got every right to go to your employer and go, look, man, I don't know if this is the right gig. <laughs> I, I mean, this is what I'm feeling here. And that employer has every right to go, well, you know, uh, let's tow the corporate line or let's talk about this or let's get some sort of action plan. You know, you're sort of playing your, you're sort of playing your hand and you don't know exactly how your employer is going to react. I've had them react great. I've had them react poorly. Uh, I have... I have come toe to toe with people in offices, and um, I've also just politely bowed out and said, "You know, I'm done. I'm just not going to do this anymore." So uh, I can tell you that going toe to toe with managers, or going toe to toe with owners, or you know, getting physical with people, probably not the right answer. But it is, uh, but it damn sure makes you feel good at the time. I won't lie. I won't lie to you. And still to this day, I look back at some of the some of the uh, knuckleheads I've worked for and gone, um, you know, I just I just I just thank God I had enough self control to not do what I was thinking. This is going to happen to you, or this has already happened to you, and now you can you can probably empathize with me because I like to be gut level. And anybody who knows me, or anybody anybody who knows me, anybody who's been in my class, anybody who's talked to me. Pretty much knows I'm an open book. I'll tell you exactly how I feel about whatever it is you want to know, and um, I think that 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 transparency can put you into a bind, and it can also uh, open up a lot of doors. So, those are my recommendations thus far in this in this lecture: is uh, choose which path you want to do. You know, figure out which card you want to hold close to your chest. Figure out what you want to share, what you don't want to share figure out how to do the job and and always be trying to improve on that job and always be trying to think of the the person who comes behind you the technician who comes behind you if you're installing and you're swapping out uh, something for another you know something for something else and the wire trough looks like a looks like a pigsty if you've got the time to begin to put it together and to make it nicer then do it Right. If you've been using wire nuts and you decide to start using uh, Wagos or something like that, which I've changed to, if I can, if I can do it, I'll I'll use them. Uh, it it's a game changer. Or even if you're you know still doing wire nuts or or DIN rail and and uh, on uh, Phoenix connectors or onshore locks, if you begin to use this these these newer I'd hate to say newer, but some of these better ways of of dressing your panels and stuff like that, uh, it shows. I mean, you can step back and go, hey, this doesn't look perfect, but it looks better than it did, right? And I have seen people dress out panels and they're artists. I mean, they're artists. They, are, they really are artists. They've got, the, they've got the experience. They've done enough of them. They know where to bend the wire. They know where to cut it. They're, they're experts at it. You will be an expert at it too the more you practice, but you're not going to get it right the first time. You're just not. You're not going to get it right you're not gonna. You're not gonna be. You're not gonna knock it out of the park every single time. And you may not have the time to to do it all. So just pick something that you can, just one thing or maybe two, and make it better than the way you found it. It could be as simple as leaving a note behind for the next technician, or as I teach my students, if I find a ground fault on something, and in the fire alarm business, that's a pretty common occurrence. If I find a ground fault on something, I will always take tape that I can write on. That's why I don't use black tape. I use red, white, usually. Red, white, yellow, something like that. Something I could write on. 
and I will put ground it. I'll put the grounded ground symbol on it, apostrophe D, this date, MJB. And I'll leave it in the panel. And my apprentice and I were messing around in one of the one of the buildings at work and opened up a, a what we call a miniplex, opened it up and looked at it, and there probably were six pieces of red tape in there, all of them from me or my partner Tom when I worked with him, leaving notes for the next generation. Well, here I am being the next generation coming back on my own work, looking at the panel going, well, it looks like something threw up in here because it's, it's horrible, there's wires everywhere. But we were able to troubleshoot where this ground was in probably 10 minutes, not even that, probably about five minutes, we were able to isolate which pair of wires had it. And sure enough, it was a pair that had been grounded before. So at that point it was then, it's out of this panel, let's go figure out you know where it is in the field break out the the best as-bills that we can and and start looking. So that's the kind of of forward thinking that I'm hoping you're going to pick up and use, right? And it's it's and if you continue to do this, if you just continue to improve something one something, whatever it is, every single day, you'll eventually get better and better and better at this. So um, the other day I was working on a problem uh, programming issue and I realized uh, in the in logic programming you, you have and statements and or statements and anybody who programs knows the difference because logic is logic. And I had used an or statement, an or not actual, an actually an or not statement versus an, an and. and. I don't know how I did it, I just did it. but. It caused a, a glitch, and you know, and I kept scratching my head, going, "This is this problem's got to be that simple." As soon as I found the problem, realized what it was, brought my apprentice over, brought my other German over, and said, "This is exactly where this line of code is wrong, and that's probably what's going on over here." I wrote the code. It's my fault that the code was written wrong. Okay, I did that. I made that mistake. That's not a life-threatening mistake. It's not like the building's going to collapse or the world's going to come undone. All it did was flip the state of a graphic point from not there to there. That's all it did. But it doesn't matter. It could have been doors. It could have been. It could have been life safety. It could have been something huge. Right. That mistake is something that in the in our game we can't afford to make those mistakes. We just can't. So, making sure that the other folks on my team know exactly how simple something like that can can screw an equation up or, or, or you know, drive you nuts is the key to the game. We, we strive for that. And, and I happen to work in an environment with, uh, with, uh, with my fellow technicians where the company itself wants that. They want you to have that kind of integrity. They want you to make sure that you're sharing that information and moving forward. So this environment here is conducive to that. My last environment was conducive to that. I, as a, as a manager, I was for sure talking to my technicians and any, any problem that the technicians had in the field, I would gather all that information, put it together on an agenda, and then each week as we have our meetings, I would put out what we found. Hey, you know, this is going on, this is happening, um, you know, so-and-so ran into this, this is a problem here. It is critical. It is so critical. Not being trained, though, not having the training when you need it, that problem, and I alluded to that earlier with my friend here, uh, 
that problem is that's a tricky that's a tricky situation. So what happens when you're stuck in a situation where you don't really know and you don't know that you don't know and you don't know how to solve the problem? You can reach out to people, but if they don't know how to solve the problem, that's not really helping. Um, getting upset, put your fist through a wall, that's not really going to help. <clears throat> so at some point, you need to go probably to the web and you know start watching videos or or you know trying to read trying trying to elicit some sort of something from the web and even that can be dangerous because you know you don't know what the hell you're looking at you could be looking at some crackpot who's going oh yeah push this button three times and see what happens it'll fix the problem and it doesn't so that can that can also bring issues if nothing else when you when you do get back to the shop or you do sit down with your boss you can sit down and say look at some point I got to get I've got to get to the next level on this piece of equipment. And the only way I can get there is by taking this class right here. See, I looked it up and here's the class and here's the cost. And, you know, I can, I can, there's one in Seattle. I can go there. Or there's one in San Francisco. I can take that class. Can we fly me down there? If you start doing the legwork to show your boss that you're ready to, to move to the next level, that boss may be so damn busy that they don't even realize that you need that. And I'm going to say that again. That boss may be so uptight, so wrapped up in what they've got to do that they may not even really have connected the dots on you. And it's a lot like seeing a doctor and, and you go to see the doctor about this problem and they may or may not care, they may or may not put the effort into it that you know to help you understand your problem or even figure it out. And so sometimes you just have to kind of go, oh, I either have to see another doctor or I have to start looking this up on my own to see if it's if this is something that, that maybe I can start to solve. I don't, so I'm not trying to, to feed hypochondria here. I'm just trying to say, hey, do some research yourself. Are you a doctor? Probably not. But, you know, there are some steps you can take to help to help heal yourself. That may be what's necessary. You may be the solution to your own problem. Right. As a manager, I, I like to I like to use the term manager weasel. As I was a manager weasel, there's my sound. Um, I experienced in this last management gig uh, a lot of of a lot of really difficult situations to solve, and the my methods of solving them, which were archaic. Uh, didn't work out, and and there I had methods that I had learned over the years that I thought were the right ways to handle issues. And as I uh, learned from uh, other managers there that that were much better at it than I was, you know, they were the ones that were actually that actually had the right resources and tools at hand to to be able to handle situations better than me. And I was kind of kind of like stepped back and looked at that, and I went. Okay, so how did this person get to that level? And and a lot of them had to put in some serious time to get there. And and I'll 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 take my last uh, general manager I worked under Charles. That guy put in copious amounts of time to learn his craft and learn his trade. And I sat back and I wondered could I could I do that? Could I put in the amount of time to learn all the skills that this guy learned 
and and be that good or am i always going to just or this is as or is this as high as my arc is going to go in managing people because i i i just don't i just don't know that i have the skills to to do that and i chose that i chose that path i chose that path to say you know my my arc is not i'm never going to be as good as charles Hughes. i'm just not i'm just not I, I as as it, when it comes to 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 managing and you know getting an I set four and and um, running a, a branch like you could run a branch, I don't have those skill sets. And I wondered if you know well maybe if I if I what would it take for me to get those skill sets? I I couldn't apply the time and the energy in with my situation with my home situation and my you know other other things in my world to do it i just couldn't and it became pretty apparent to me that i needed to probably just go be a go be a tech somewhere just go do what i do best and be a tech and an operator and a and a uh, teacher and that's what i chose to do and so i made a career decision that that capped my income and capped my my uh promotional possibilities and it was I ever going to be this prestigious uh, position? Was I was I going to make it to be a CEO of my own company or sit on the board of directors somewhere? Or am I ever going to be a division manager? Or you know, I had all these opportunities in not just uh, PSI but in other companies as well. I could have truly been this you know really super super great manager and and leader of people, and I opted to not do that. I just I just opted not to do that. And that was a personal decision in in my life that I made. And I wish I could tell you that that was a bad decision for me, but it wasn't. It turned out to be the decision I I needed in my own world. Uh, folks, I'm good at a couple of things in this in this place, uh, and this time, in managing people, in understanding what um, what a corporate structure needs, and uh, participating in that corporate structure to uh, what I felt could be detrimental to my own well-being um, made me choose to just, you know, take a knee and go over here and and, and work in another capacity. Uh, I don't regret my decisions at all, but I will absolutely tell you that if your alignment, if your brain is aligned for managing and organizing and putting things together and seeing people um, move up and find their their path in in an upper echelon way then man do it or woman do it okay if that is your goal and if you can see yourself running a company or see yourself running a division or whatever it is you want to run go for it but in my 58 years of living all the time I spent in the military, all the time I spent fixing stuff, uh, all the time I spent in companies uh, up in you know higher levels and lower levels, uh, I always knew that the best place for me would probably be supporting other people and doing what I did best, which was analyzing thinking uh, and and doing doing what I was kind of, I guess, built or designed to do, and that is to, that is to fix problems in, in, in people and equipment. Uh, 
I just wish I had those aspirations to 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 you know make it to the top. I just simply don't. I just don't. I just have the aspirations to be as good as I can be in the given field that I'm in. But that's me in my 50s, right? Close to retirement. Should I be this should I have been this great corporate manager? Should I have been that I, who the hell knows? If it's not if it's not in my gut to do it, then no. Then what was in my gut to do it was just to be a good technician and to move on. So what is in my gut, however, is to make absolutely sure every person I come in touch with now uh, and and even as a manager, that I've at least imparted to them something uh, positive and not just everything negative. And I have certainly left a negative mark in a lot of people's lives. I will be the first one to tell you that, that there are people I just do not get along with and don't get along with me and never will, and I'm fine with that. I, I don't, it doesn't keep me up at night knowing you know, that, that you're number 240 on the list of people who don't like what I say or don't like who I am. I get it. That's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to make everybody love me. I'm not here to make, you're not here to make everybody love you. You're just here to do what you're here to do. Sometimes, just, <laughs> I love the baby in the background. Sometimes that's all it takes, okay? So it's okay to just be good at what you do and to limit what it is that you do professionally so that you can focus on personal life or focus on hobbies or have a balance that works for you. And that's quite okay. But I will tell you, in the seven or eight or 10 or 12 hours you put in during a day in a work day and as an electrician and as a technician and as a professional, do give that particular part of your life everything you can. Do do that. And I can look back and say I've made a hell of a lot of mistakes, but I tell you what I haven't made a lot of mistakes at is that if I put my hands to it, I will fix it and I will get it up and running and I will figure out what the damn problem is and I will spend whatever amount of time I have to spend or whatever brain power I have to spend doing that. And if I have to fix the customer, I will fix the customer and the equipment. And if I can't fix the equipment, I will damn sure tell the customer exactly what is going to go on how to mitigate this, what the next steps are. If there was any superpower I have, it is to talk to people and go, hey, this is the situation. Let me lay it out. This needs a decision from you. What do you want to do? I need this thing. You know, this is what I got to do. And lay it all out logically, even in, even in paper, and go, dut, 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 dut. here's my next steps. What do I give this to? How do I do this? Or do you want me to carry the carry the water going forward? And gosh, I would love to tell you, I, I, I just had that, you know, put in me uh, at a young age and I just followed that course. But that's absolutely hog snot. When I was in the military, when I was in the Navy, and I always am talking about the Navy because it was such a such a game changer for me. I got in there as a as a high school student who. Uh, who did good in about two things. I was good in choir because I could sing. I was really good in photography because I could do that. I knew all the chemistry and I was okay in a couple other fields. And almost everything else I put my fingers to, I failed. I was a terrible failure at it. Wasn't until I got in the military and they put something in front of me that I found so interesting that I couldn't put it down. And I tore it up. 
I just tore it up. I tore up military schools. I just absolutely tore them up. The the more, the the tougher the technology, the the more cool little ins and outs I could figure out it would do. The the understanding how it did what it did. The the more technically challenging it was, the more I could get into it. And I thought um, this will never end. And immediately, as soon as I got in the military, the my my comprehension increased, my aptitude increased. Uh, the 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 trainers that they had, the people that were training us, for the most part, were just phenomenal. They wanted to make sure you succeeded. And then when I got out to the fleet, I understood why. Because you're on this ship with this little city that's got everything from its own power plant to you know its own telephone system, and everybody, you, that's it. You you, you if you have a problem with somebody, the furthest you can get away from them, maybe was 500 feet. That was it. That's as far as you could get from the problem. So you had to figure out how to work with people, even if you didn't like them. You had to figure out how to solve this problem because they just aren't going to mail you the part tomorrow. Nobody from Amazon's going to drop drop it on your front door and ring your doorbell. That just doesn't happen. You're near, you know, 6,000 miles out to sea. So you had to use your brain and you had to use a team. Since there is no I in team, and the military forces you to really not be independent and to really be dependent and to make sure that everybody knows exactly what the next steps are and how that's all working out, I excelled in that. My only, my only issue was on my personal time. I hadn't figured out me yet. And so, boy, I tell you what, if there was a, if there was a bar overseas, I found it. And so that's where, that's where everything began to unfold in my own world. Professionally, I had it together. Per personally, not so much so. Hey, guess what happens here back in the States? The same damn thing. The same thing. If you show up to work and the problem is taxing and you don't have a head for what's going to happen because whatever happened the night before isn't out of your head, you're arguing with your spouse or, or you know, the 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 dog did his business on the floor right before he left or you, know, you got a sick kid or a sick horse or who the hell knows what's going on in your world. That, that can really affect how you're looking at a problem. Meaning I could look at a problem and go, this thing's never going to get solved. It's terrible. Oh my God, it's horrible. Uh, the world's coming undone. And then look at it 10 minutes later and go, well, that's not such a big damn deal. What the hell was, what was wrong with me? And you've done the same thing. I know you've done the same thing. Everybody does. So the mental attitude, the mental aptitude of coming into something, if you don't have the right headspace, it can make any problem daunting. And then, oh my God, not only that, but this problem's a mess, blah, blah, blah. Now, one of the techniques that I use for blowing off that steam is I'll blow off that steam, generally not in front of a client, but it's not uncommon for me to go into a room and look at something and go, ah, this really sucks, and say a few choice uh, pro-Navy pro words. Uh, get that out of my system. Part of my way of getting that angst out of my system was to blow it off, and that's what I do. My wife goes, oh, you're always mad at stuff. No, I'm not always mad at stuff. I'm blowing it off. I'm trying to get that angst out of my system here. That's how I do it. Sometimes I meditate. That's another good way to do it. But guess what uh, they don't pay you to do at work while you're trying to fix stuff? Meditate. So there's some 
just ways and techniques that I use. Are they the right techniques? How the hell do I know? I can't speak for you. I can only speak for me. They work for me. It can drive some employers crazy. I get it. So I'll just walk out here when no one can hear me, bang my head against this wall for a little bit. Either way, that helps me get my headspace. Once I realize that I'm like, okay, you've blown that, you've, you've got your emotional, uh, your, your, your emotional intelligence is back now because you've just lost it for five minutes by yourself in the bathroom. Okay, you're all better or whatever it's taken. Then I can go back and go, okay, clean slate. Huh, that's not a problem at all. Here's the solution. You may need to do something like that. You may need to figure out what ebbs and flows in your world to make that happen. I told you that I was a martial artist and that um, I, I had a, uh, I had a lot of, uh, I had a lot of, uh, I, I took most of my martial arts uh, uh, near Camp Pendleton, California. And so a lot of the, a lot of the folks I got to know were former, well, were Royal Marines at the time. A lot of them were. And um, so I, I have a lot of experience with, uh, with Marines, even from my own family. And uh, never ever have I met a group of more dedicated, ferocious people than I have Marines. Um, and I'm saying that in all honesty, that once you've gone through training and and these guys are, you know, out doing what our gals too. I hate to say, I hate to be sexist here, but you know, when these folks get their training and they're going out and and doing what they're doing, uh, I will take my hat off, uh, especially since I carried them for a couple of years on my first ship. Uh, an excellent, excellent group of people. I just don't know where you're going to find a group of fighters like that unless you want special operators. So, sparring with them and learning what they were like and 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 their attitudes and how they were how they were going through you know what happens when a when a when a teenage guy can you know jump up and can kick your head off a couple of times and they can't even see it coming those kind of things and then how they would react and um it was it was very it was very eye opening i found out that being physically active um, as a kid and then trying to stay physically active even into my um adulthood was really really important and I bicycle quite a bit now. I obviously have to walk a lot at my job, and I carry pretty heavy backpacks so that if I do walk, I you know if I'm going to bring my tools with me, I I carry a lot of weight, and it is exercising. I mean, I go up and down stairs as much as I can, and I keep that that stuff going. That is where, as a kid, and all of us have probably participated in sports in some way or another. I could put all that energy. I didn't play football, but I think if I did, I would have, you know, put all my energy into tackling or, or running and, and, you know, or get that, get that angst out. I got my angst out in other ways. And even as an adult, I still did it and I still do. Um, we rode bicycles yesterday and I mean, I just cranked going up those hills in the morning and then got to work and my legs are burning. So the whole day I'm thinking, oh man, this is gonna suck because I, you know, I gotta carry weights and walk and all that stuff. No, just the opposite. All those endorphins that I that I kick loose doing that that workout in the morning. And of course, if you ride up to the hill, you gotta ride back home again or ride back down to your car. So it's not like you're done at the end of the day. That meant that physical activity that I did was was is gold. It's absolute gold. That may be something that may help you in this situation too.
like you just may look at a situation and go, this is frustrating. I need to go burn off a little bit of energy, go do some pull-ups, go do something that, that gets your heart pumping and then come back and take a look at it. See if it's, see if it's a, uh, if it's something that you can look at with it, with a different perspective or a different light, calling a technician and explaining what's going on is another technique. Uh, it is not uncommon for me to, to just look at the problem and go, this is more daunting. I don't know what the hell's going on. Grab a technician, explain what's going on. And in the process, I'll either see it myself or that technician will look at it and go, well, isn't it here? Isn't that it? <laughs> isn't the problem that? I knew that. I was just testing you. Um, it's really quite common for us as humans to think we know what the problem is and then it is just so obvious to someone else. So sharing that information with somebody else can oftentimes break that little lock. Please don't think it's an ego bruise. And and I'm I'm saying that with my with my with my head on my forehead like I'm like I'm rubbing it where my bald spots are. I'm going, look, if your ego is so wrapped around who you are that that having somebody else help you um, is a is a bruise to you in 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 the way that you're thinking. You may want to rethink how you're thinking. And uh, I, I will tell you that as a as a guy who lost uh, I've lost both of my kids. That's not to make you sad, so don't go all getting sad on me. This is a long time ago, and I've worked over it, but we'll work through it. Uh, when I lost my first one, I got involved with a group, and I remember we had so many men in this group that had also lost their kids or grandkids that uh, there was enough that we could actually break apart from the women. So I took the men over, and having been a men's minister, I kind of uh, said, hey, let's all sit over here and chat. One of the things I recommended was, uh, you know, when you're dealing with emotions, is to actually let your emotions go. And boy, you'd have, you'd have thought I'd smacked some of these people upside the head. They did not take that kindly. We don't do that. You know, we all have this mental way of thinking and, you know, we just don't show our emotions like that. And I know lots of people who do not want to show their emotions to themselves, let alone to anybody else. Got it. I got it. Not... If that's you listening to this podcast, I am not going to tell you that you got to go show your emotions or, or, or that's what you should do to get over it yourself. But I will tell you this. There's a reason why people cry. There's a reason why people have emotions. There's a reason why, why those fluctuations occur in you. There's a reason why chemicals get released that do things to your brain and do things to your body. I will leave it at that. If they didn't, if, if there are plenty of things that you do not do as a human because you don't have the capacity to do it, it's just not in our psyche or it's not our physical ability to do that. You could think of, I could think of it, flying is a good example. You can't fly. You could fly with tools, some sort of wings, you can do all that jazz, but you as an individual cannot fly. So, but to tell me that you can't cry, that's bat squeeze. So those emotions are there for a reason. They unlock things and they open up they open up things in your in your mind. Now, what you do with that information is entirely yours. 
I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you any more than that. I certainly don't go in front of a fire panel when I can't get it to work and cry. But I do accept the fact that I can come into a situation with all this baggage, huh? problem with my wife or or problem with my with my dog or my boss is a is a jerk or my life sucks or I, I've got money issues or my car I have a car breaks down all the time that, that does make me mad so it could be my car whatever in the hell it is at least acknowledge the fact that that you don't really have a clear operating environment your brain isn't isn't uncluttered or if you drank the night before or if you or if you did something else that you're just you just don't have a clear operating mind those are all factors that affect how you think and how you do what you do so at least give me the benefit of that that I, that I will at least open up your mind so that you can go hmm that idiot I heard on that podcast might be, he might have said some things I agree with, right? Like you may not want to listen to certain talk shows or certain types of music before you walk into, into scenes that you're all amped up. For example, Marilyn Manson may not be your, your, your type of music uh, to walk into a, I don't know, a serene church scene. It may not be your gig. So you might want to, to think about those so that you are not you're not creating in your own mind a a situation that when you show up and things don't go right, right, that you've added all that extra angst into your system that you haven't dealt with. Now, take that for what it's worth. If it doesn't apply to you, then chuck it out the window because that's what advice is for. It's something that you can either listen to or you can go, no, he's dead wrong and I want to do it this way. You're exactly right. You do you do what you want to do, boo, as we say. But I will tell you in my experiences that sharing, caring, working through problems, especially if I have a partner that I'm working with and I can see that they've got something on their mind, if we can at least get together and I do this with my partner now that I that I work with if he's got something going on we talk about it we at least get that out we both know that we're on the same page I give him a little bit of oh this is how I'm feeling today he gives me a little bit about this is how I'm feeling today get a cup of coffee and we're ready to hit it this has made an environment for me in this particular gig that is five stars it's five stars so I haven't had a group of people that I've worked with so well and had such a good relationship with um, in so long that it's it's just it's just it's it's it makes me look back at my last job and go okay what was I missing there how come I couldn't create that that same feeling there like like now I can troubleshoot it and say oh I, you know it was this it was this it was this it was all these things that I that I had going on that that didn't help the situation. So I'm asking you as a listener of this podcast to sit down and kind of evaluate where you're at. If where you're at on your training, where you're at on, on your licensing, where you're at on your, under, your ability to work in the field, where you're at on, on having the right tools, where you're at on having the right parts, where you're at with your relationship with 
with your own company, with your own bosses, with your other technicians, with your dispatcher, with your parts person. In any service gig, the two people you never want to piss off are your parts person and your dispatcher, ever. You want to always make sure that you're on good terms with them because those are the two people you need the most. They're the ones going to give you jobs and going to keep you moving, which gives you money. One's going to give you parts, which is going to help you do that. If you tick them off, both of them, you will, you're not going to be the, you're going to be the ones that's out of work at, at, at two. Everybody else is working until five. So those are the kind of things that you want to think about. Look at what's laid out in front of you and figure out what works for you and then navigate it. Now, I'm going to bring this back to the podcast or the uh, the website that I told you about, the despair.com. Go there, take a look at this guy's stuff. Look at these posters on the wall. Look at these motivational posters that he's put on. Each one is a a symbol of exactly where we're at in in America at this point where you've got you've got all these these um, uh, what's the good word I'm looking for? There's all these expectations that people above you have, you know, your managers and owners and, and CFOs and CEOs and all these different people, all these groups up here expect all these things from, from their employees. And you can look up at it and go, man, that's as, that's, as, that's as big a mountain to climb as Everest. I mean, really. And I've been there where I'm going, oh, my God, i got to do this, i got to do that. Or, like any other problem, you start to solve it one bit at a time. This guy's laid out these posters as, as spoofs on the motivational posters, and they really are funny to me in that dark sense of humor where I look at things going, yeah, it's, it's, always, it's always darkest right before it goes pitch black. <laughs> That's exactly what it's like. Makes me laugh to think of that darkness and go, well, it's not really that bad. And in comedy, comedy is coming down a road and, and expecting you know, expecting something and making a hard right turn or a hard left turn when you don't expect it and your brain just goes, that was funny. And as much as I always wanted to be a comedian, just don't have those skill sets. But I absolutely can understand how a mind works and how people work and how we think and the way that 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 a technician or, a, or an electrician can come into a situation and not have a clear thinking mind and not have a path through and not know exactly what the next steps are and how to solve it. If you do run into those situations and you do solve it, give yourself a pat on the back, okay? For every single thing you do right, recognize it. Recognize what you've done right and stop dwelling on what you've done wrong, please. Please, please, please. On a side note, I had a, um, I've always given my number or a, my contact information out to my students so that they can reach out if they have a problem. And uh, I had a student reach out the other day about some calculations he needed help on, and I, and I was an exercise in in, in <laughs> jogging my memory and how to do them. And I thought, I hope that you know when I when I sent him my. Uh, uh, my take on it that he, that he was able to actually look at him, but I could kind of tell that I think he was pretty busy, and he I don't know if if I I don't know if if it hit home like the way I hope it did. But I've always enjoyed having people reach out and contact me and say, "Hey, 
uh, you know, I'm working on this and I don't really know what the heck to do here. Please feel free to do that with this podcast, okay? And we've given our, our email out a bunch. I'll give it out again here. But uh, I, I want you to reach out and say, hey, you know what I'd like to hear? I'd like to hear something about this. I'd like to hear more technical stuff or I want to hear, you know, I want to hear about, about something else. It's critical that you be a part of this because otherwise I'm just blowing smoke and that's not going to work out. So give us some input. Tell us what you want. Tell us where you want this to go. This we really built for you. I didn't build it for me. I've already talked to a bunch of people every week. It's not that big of a deal to talk to more. But to do something that you want it to be, make this something that you want it, that's the key. Halfwattpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to the Half Watt Podcast. We always want to hear from you, and we encourage you to email us at halfwattpod at gmail.com with questions or even your own stories. Funny, crazy, or praiseworthy, we want to hear it all. You can follow us on Instagram at halfwattpod to stay up to date on our feed. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and share us with a friend the best way to help us grow. The Half Watt Podcast is a production of Now Hear This Studios.